Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And we're gathered around this little cafe today talking about something that I know I've done And I bet you've done it as well. I I think there are times in our lives when we have a hard time admitting when we were wrong. Rachel, has that ever happened to you? All the time. Yes. <laughs> I don't like to admit when when I'm wrong. I you know, is maybe it's an ego thing, a pride thing. Um, I don't know, but I yes, I have trouble admitting when I'm wrong. I don't have trouble admitting to myself, but I have trouble then admitting it to others and saying, hey, you know, hey hey guys, yeah, that thing, I was totally wrong about that. Yeah, I think I've passed this trait on to my kids, Luann. When my son was young, um, I walked in the kitchen one day. I made him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and um, put it on his high chair tray there. And he was, you know, a toddler, probably three or something. And uh, and I, I left left the kitchen for a minute because I knew he was safe in his high chair. Left the kitchen. When I came back in the kitchen, um, he had pulled apart the two pieces of bread. He had, like basically sort of finger painted in the peanut butter on on the one piece of bread and then finger painted all over his tray and his high chair and his head with the peanut butter so peanut butter everywhere and then he had taken the slice that had the jelly side and he had just licked all the jelly off the bread so when I left the room it was my sweet little clean little toddler there um, about to have lunch when I came back into the room there is brown and purple splotches everywhere and now he knows you know we had a rule as probably many moms do right which is don't play with your food Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so he knew this rule so I came in and I looked at him covered in the the purple and and peanut butter splotches and I said Caleb what are you doing and he looked at me with those big brown eyes and he said I don't want to tell you (laughs) (laughs) right I get it and I get poor little Caleb yeah I don't want to tell you either and we do the same thing when we've messed up maybe with with uh, our friends and family and co-workers maybe in our church or in our ministries or maybe even when we approach God we act like maybe if I don't say anything he won't notice But that's not the way he works. He brings things out into the light. And then, oh, he just wants us to to admit it. And and here's why. I mean, have you ever held something back from someone and you don't tell the truth? Or you don't admit that you're wrong, which is the same thing as not telling the truth. When you hold back on that, it interrupts your relationship. And... At that moment, being right is more important than the relationship. Yes, and we can get very caught up on being right. And I think any person who's ever been married or had uh, any sort of a a romantic relationship for any length of time has experienced this, right? When you you get in a fight with your spouse or your significant other, 
um, and you get just so locked in on proving your case um, that you you damage the relationship in the process. And you know, if you could just fast forward through time, you would probably realize, mm, I would rather have a happy, loving relationship than be declared right in that moment. But when we're in the heat of the moment, you know, we just are arguing like crazy to prove that we're right. I could not agree with you more. And my husband and I have come to the point in our life and our marriage that when we know that we're at that spot, rather than let it brew for hours or days like we did in the beginning, we just look at each other and go, I messed up. And let's just let's just get past this because we know we are going to get past it eventually. Can we just skip to that part now? I'm sorry. I really blew that and can we just have a redo can we and and then we laugh about it or we back up and sometimes uh i'll say you have uh you want to try saying that a different way honey and he'll know oh yeah i i need to rethink the way that that came out so we we need to value our relationships more than being right but then Rachel, let's be honest. It's not just our relationship with friends and family. Sometimes, and I will admit this, I'm standing with my hand up in the air. There are times when I am gung-ho thinking that, okay, this is why God opened this door. And so let's go, Encouragement Cafe. Let's run through this door. Woohoo! Full speed ahead. And then things don't smack into a wall. Right. They don't <laughs> quite go according to plan. And all of a sudden you see a right turn and you're you're not expecting that and and then you have to go, "Huh. Did I misread the signs? Did I was I so far off? What what just happened?" And at that point, you have a couple of choices. You can either go, "Okay, I won't make that mistake again. And you, you find yourself pulling back and not making any decisions because you're just, you just kind of tell yourself I'm done and I don't want to mess up anymore. So I'm not going to even risk it. Or you can say, okay, I messed up. I'm going to admit that I messed up. I, I want to learn from this though. So God, help me to find the lesson in what just happened. I want to I want to own my part in what went wrong. And now how can I learn to not let it happen like that again? Rachel, it's just hard sometimes to say, "Whoo, I didn't do that well." And you know, nobody wants to say that, but it's true. But here's what I found. When I have admitted, hey guys, I don't know, I was off base there and I I blew it. When I admit that, something unforeseen happens. Trust begins to be built because people say, okay, I, I, I see that she's willing to be vulnerable. You know, and they give me that grace that we say that we need to give to others. And all of a sudden, it strengthens 
the relationship instead of tearing it apart. Right, because it allows us to admit too when we mess up, right? Because um, we all all do. And you know, here's the thing: very often, uh, I'm the last one to realize that some something I've done is has been a huge mistake. You know, like oftentimes the people around us can see it before we can see it because we're so invested Mm -hmm, in it. mm -hmm. So oftentimes, by the time that we go, uh, hey, guys, I think I might have been wrong here, half of them already knew that. and right. so, so yeah, trust is built that, okay, yeah, she, she will see it and she will, you know, apologize and she'll course correct and, and she'll grant grace and will grant grace. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an important thing, whether we're leaders or not. And all of us, you know, are leading someone, right? We're leading a, our family mm-hmm. or our coworkers or we're leading our neighbors or our Girl Scout troop or whatever it might be. I think it's an important lesson. I think the strongest leaders are those who can be humble and admit when they're wrong. Well, and I love what you're saying too. A lot of folks that are surrounding you are already seeing that. Hmm. So it's really key as we live our life, to have, you know, two or three really close people that we allow to speak freely into our life without uh, fear. You know, we need to build that trust with one another so that when we are so gung-ho to go and do what we think God is doing, they have the right and the ability to speak up and say, hmm, Let's talk about this. And I think about the board of directors for Encouragement Cafe. I love these people. I love these people because they are the biggest cheerleaders for what Encouragement Cafe is doing. However, they will say, okay, let's, let's think this through. Let's make sure that we're, you know, doing this in the right way, that it's God's way, and they will help me think about it from different perspectives. And boy, when you have people that you allow into your world to help you from the beginning, then you you make fewer big boo-boos. You know, you, you're still going to make them, but maybe you won't make as many uh, that really rock other people's world. So I think, I think you're right on, Rachel. One of the very first things we have to do when we're wrong is admit it to ourselves. Yeah, and I loved your point about the board of directors. These are trustworthy people who will support you, but will also tell you the truth or also tell you when they think you're wrong. It's That's important who we surround ourselves with because if we surround ourselves with people who will not admit that they are wrong, then we're less likely to do so as well. And you know what? Here's the thing. I've had some great friendships in my life, but I've come to see that my best friends, the truest friends, are the ones that will say, they'll let me vent, right? They'll let me complain and vent about whomever or whatever, um, and they'll they'll support me in that, uh, but when the venting is done, they'll say, you know, Rach, uh, I got to tell you, 
I don't think that that's a, a, a you sound like you're resentful. You sound like there's some bitterness. And I think you're ultimately going to have to let that go. <laughs> you know, like they'll they'll correct me. Um, yep. Sometimes our friends push us into actually push us into sin, even, you know, in, in an attempt to support us. So you have to be careful who you surround yourself with uh, and surround yourself with people who are going to who are modeling that their willingness to forgive their willingness to admit mistakes and their willingness to grant grace to others who do. There's a passage in Second Samuel. Um, there's a lot of good stories, actually, through uh, Samuel and through the stories of David and, and Saul that show us, you know, uh, David tended to admit when he was wrong uh, and Saul tended to not. But anyway, in Second Samuel, there's a, a story where, where David is king at this point and there's another group of people, the Ammonites, uh, and the king of the Ammonites died. And uh, the king's son, Hanan, you know, was then installed on the throne in his father's place. And King David over here of Israel, he wanted to show sort of his sympathy to Hanan for, for the death of his dad. And so David sends a delegation of his, his men uh, over to the Ammonites, you know, country uh, to express on behalf of the king their sympathy. Um, and when that delegation of men arrived, the Ammonite nobles saw them and they wrongly assumed that David was sending people to spy on their land because David was planning an attack. Now, they had nothing, you know, concrete to base this on other than they saw some of David's men coming uh, in, into their country. But they go back and they tell the newly king, King Hanan, hey, you know, David's going to attack us. He sent a bunch of his men and they're probably here to spy and check out the land and figure out how to plan the attack. So Hanan believes them, has David's men, you know, kind of seized by the guards and brought uh, to the castle. They shave their beards and they cut up all their clothes and their garments. This was something that would humiliate them. Um, and so they really, you know, treat them uh, really poorly. And then, you know, they're trying to say, wait, 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 we are, we're here on behalf of the king to express his sympathy over the loss of your father. When Hanan realized that this was not their intent and that now he had angered uh, the, the king of Israel for his treatment of the men, rather than just, you know, doing whatever it took to, to keep the peace um, and say, hey, 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 I'm so, so sorry. I was really wrong here. Please forgive me. Instead, Hanan gathered up his troops and went to war with David. Now, in the end, God's favor rested upon David and Hanan and his, his troops, the Ammonites, were essentially wiped out. I think that story is such a cautionary tale of, are we going to double down and insist that our wrong interpretations are right? Or are we willing to say, ooh, I'm not always right. This might be another instance when I was wrong. I love that because it is a great example of how when we refuse to admit that we're wrong, it can take us down a path we never intended that can just get bigger and bigger and take us in a spiral downward. And admitting that we're wrong and saying, okay, God, I need to know how to be putting this back on the rails. You know, we've gone off the rails. How do I get this back? And honestly, Rachel, the best way to do, I think once we admit and we see that we're wrong, the best thing to do is just be simple 
and clear and say, hey, I was wrong. Can you think of how that story might have ended differently if they had said those, those simple words, hey, I was wrong and I am so sorry. How much in, in life would be changed if we would just admit it? That is a very profound question because I can see that story playing out in a different way. I can see there being a bond between these two kings, King David and King Hanan, and you know a, a peace between their two lands. I can see a, a coalition, if you will, um, where they have each other's backs. Uh, I can see a great friendship. I imagine it's probably pretty lonely to be the king at times. I can see a great friendship between these two men. Like lots of good could have come out of that. Um, if we he'd had just been willing to say, oh, we totally misinterpreted what we saw. I'm so sorry. And there's the key. I'm so sorry. You know, we can say, ooh, we're wrong. But until we say, I'm sorry, let's, let's make this right. Let's figure out a way to adjust the course. Until we are emotionally and spiritually ready to do that, Uh, I think that we can still have that wedge in the relationships around us when when we struggle to admit and say, I'm sorry. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just end there. You know, when we, when we say we're sorry and we admit that we're wrong, then we have to learn from it. We have to go, okay, God, help me see how that happened in the first place. Because for me, Rachel, and I think you're a lot like me, we have a tendency to jump ahead. <laughs> you know, just, I want to get, I want to get on with it. I want to get busy doing it. I mean, you and I have that, that tendency. And so even when all of this stuff that's happening right now with Encouragement Cafe, all the m- many doors that God's opening I hesitated for about a month to even share it with anyone because A, I was praying about it. B, I was asking some close friends to help me pray about it. And C, I wanted to make sure that I really understood that I wasn't taking anything for granted, that I uh, sometimes I can hear what I want to hear and then just take off before I hear all the details. You know, we can get paralyzed if we think I have to be 100% certain before I take a single step or make a single move. That will paralyze us and will ultimately not do anything. I think the key is just being open to course corrections when they pop up. You know, the thing about God's will is it's um, not really a fixed place in time and space that if we take a left turn at Albuquerque when we were supposed to take a right, we will have completely missed God's will for our life. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a disservice to ourselves and to others to think that we or anyone else um you know, plots a straight line course from where we are to God's will. I think it's a process of of discerning and course correcting and, you know, uh, leading and then admitting. Um, I think it's just a process. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, there are so many people that believe that once they messed up the first time, then God could never use them after that. And that is so not true. God is in the process of teaching us all along the way. And honestly, even when we think 
that we didn't do the right thing. I mean, we can look and say, oh man, I thought I, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought that's where God wanted me. And there, and then we say, oh no, maybe that wasn't it. Oftentimes, Rachel, what I've learned is that no, God really did want me to go that direction, but the lesson he wanted me to learn wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. So many times I have taken off and I've said, okay, I'm going to do this. And here, this must be what God has in mind. And when it doesn't go that way, I think, you know, it's easy for me to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, okay, I must have taken a totally wrong uh, way when I thought God was talking to me. And God has taught me, no, I wanted you to go down that path, but here's where I wanted you to end up. And what you learned in the process was how to deal with those tough things and how to become more humble and how to learn how to say, whew, I'm sorry, guys. Please forgive me. Let's keep going. Oh, so are you saying that sometimes you think God sends you on holy detours? I know he does. I mean, I, I can back up and look at when, when I was praying about my one word the year that he gave me undivided. I was so gung-ho, and I was like, okay, God, I am going to clear off my plate. I, I closed down my real estate office. I, I did all these major things so that I would be undivided, and then God gave me a full-time position in radio that I never went looking for, but voila, there it was, and I would not have been ready for it had I not cleared my plate. And so in my mind, I started thinking, well, God must want me to do this and this and this and this because this is where he gave me this full-time job in radio because he wanted me to do, part of the job description was to do live events for women in every radio market in this network. So I was like, great, let's do it. And in my brain, I thought everything would fall into place. And you and I both know that some of them worked and some of them didn't. And I thought, Lord, did I misunderstand? Did I misread that? I'm so sorry. I, I know that I didn't do everything right because, you know, it just, it, some of it didn't work out. So what do you want me to learn from that? And God was like, yes, there are some things that you could have done differently, but you never would have gotten this far down the road. You never would have learned that lesson had you not been willing to fail forward. That's a great term, failing forward. I think that's how we all have to look at our life. You know, we admit that we're wrong. We go, God, I, I thought I knew, obviously, I missed a few steps along the way, but you're the great God of second chances, and you tell us that when we stumble, you pick us up, you keep our feet solid on the rock. So, Lord, I, I'm, I'm your girl. I am going to get up. I'm going to tell the folks around me that relationship is more important than being right, and let's keep going, Lord. And when we do that, Rachel... God moves mountains. 
Hey, girls, I hope that you learned something today along with us that none of us are perfect, but we all serve a perfect Savior. May the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others this week, even if you have to say, I'm sorry. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at EncouragementCafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time. Encouragement Cafe would like to send you our coloring book devotional for a gift of any amount. Find out how to get your copy at EncouragementCafe.com.